summer. Uh, but here's the one thing that I really like about, um, about our, our son and our son-in-law is that uh, those boys know we don't play or practice on Wednesday and we don't play or practice on Sunday. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's no, there's no compromise. As a matter of fact, I tell you, my oldest grandson was on a traveling team and uh, he, the coach knew. Listen, if, if uh, we make it through pool play and we're playing in bracket play on Sunday, Kevin won't be there. He just won't. Now, they had a tournament in town, and uh, their team was supposed to play at noon. And Kevin was, was a starter on their team. And, and so I told my son Tyler, who's now our pastor, I said, listen, I bet, I bet we could sneak out during the invitation. I could get him there in time. And he looked at me. I mean, it was like I used to look at him. And he looked at me and said, Dad, we're not starting that nonsense. <laughs> yes, sir. So uh, I get the message loud and clear. But I hope that you'll be here this week. I really do. Uh, not because of me. You'll, you'll find out real quick. Um, I'm nothing special. As a matter of fact, we were playing cornhole last night. And one of the good-hearted brothers was, was watching. He looked at his partner and said, man, I sure hope he can preach. <laughs> Well, you guys may lose all the way around this week. I don't know. But uh, I believe God's got something for us this week. And, and I really hope that you'll come and, and purpose in your heart uh, to be a part of that. Professional golfer Paul Azinger was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 33. In his book titled Zinger, he wrote this. A genuine feeling of fear came over me. I could die from cancer. Then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die eventually anyway, whether from cancer or something else. It's just a question of when. Everything I had accomplished in golf became meaningless to me. All I wanted to do was live. He writes about remembering something that a man by the name of Larry Moody had told him. Larry Moody was uh, a chaplain uh, with the PGA, and, and he would have services uh, on the PGA Tour. And during a conversation with, with A. Zinger, he said, Zinger, he said, we're not in the land of the living, going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying, trying to get to the land of the living. A. Zinger eventually returned the PGA Tour, but that bout with cancer deepened his perspective he went on to write I've made a lot of money since I've been on the tour and I've won a lot of tournaments that happiness is always temporary the only way you will ever have true contentment is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ I'm not saying that nothing ever bothers me and I don't have any problems but I feel like I've found the answer to the six-foot hole. As we will see from our text today, Paul Azinger was right when he said that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is the answer to the six-foot hole, known as the grave. Now, obviously, being saved, and I know many of you can give testimony to this this morning, Certainly our, our family can give testimony to this this morning. It doesn't mean that we won't meet with death. Being saved doesn't uh, mean that uh, 
that we're not going to have any hard times, that we're not going to have any difficult times. Being saved does assure us that our eternal home will be heaven. If you have your Bible open to John 3, follow along as I begin reading in verse 1. There's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? And he entered the second time into his mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? The Lord add his blessing to the preaching of his word. Reading through these verses, we find ourselves this morning right where Nicodemus found himself that night as he conversed with Jesus. He was first of all confronted by the necessity of a new birth. You look back a chapter in John chapter 2 and verse 24, it says that Jesus knows all men. So we understand this morning that Jesus knew this man Nicodemus. He knew that Nicodemus was rich. Rabbinical tradition says that Nicodemus was one of the three richest men in Jerusalem. He also knew that he was respected. He was called a ruler of the Jews, which means that Nicodemus would have been one of, one of the most, if not the most, well-respected men in the community. In addition to being rich and respected, Nicodemus was religious. He was a Pharisee. Being a Pharisee meant that he was very zealous for the law. Today we would say that, that he was devout. Even this rich, respected, religious man. Jesus said, ye must be born again. You see, Jesus is no respecter of persons. Therefore, his message to everyone, including everyone here today, is this. We must be born again. Now, the necessity the new birth is brought about by the failing of the first birth. In other words, the reason we have to be born again is because we were born wrong the first time. Let me explain that. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, said, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin and so that death passed upon all men, listen, for that all have sinned. 
He said earlier in Romans chapter 3 that, that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now listen, this all goes back to the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. See, once Adam became a sinner, he passed his sin nature on to his children. And they passed it on to their children. And it's been that way throughout the eons of time. Every single one of us here this morning inherited a sin nature from our Father. That means that man, listen, man is not born inherently good, as some would have us believe. We are born inherently sinful. And if you don't believe that, go spend some time in the toddler nursery. Every one of us, sin and disobedience comes naturally. When we were kids, we weren't taught to lie. There's not a person here whose, whose parents sat them down and said, Now, let me tell you how to, how to tell a real whopper. No, no parent has ever sat their child down and said, Let me tell you how to, how to be rebellious. Let me tell you how to disobey. You know why? Because that comes naturally for us. Every one of us were born that way. We were born with a natural bent and a natural tendency toward wrong, toward sin, toward things like lying, and toward things like rebellion, and toward things, toward things like selfishness. And just as Adam sinned, listen, just as Adam sinned, separated him from God. Our sin separates us from God. And folks, listen, that doesn't change at some point in our life. We will live and die, spend eternity separated from God. That's why you must be born again. And given a new divine nature. One that is suited for a place like heaven where there is no sin. Nicodemus was not only confronted by the necessity of the new birth. But he was also challenged by the mystery of the new birth. Can you imagine the look Nicodemus' face when Jesus said... You're going to have to be born again. Right? Dude. I don't think he said dude. How can a man be born when he's old? Does he like, like, Enter a second time into his mother's womb? Oh, my poor mother. He was confused. Born again. It didn't make a lick of sense to him. And Jesus knew that Nicodemus was having a difficult time wrapping his mind around this concept of being born again. And so he gave him a very clear and plain explanation. Something that he could understand. Look at it again in, in verses 5 and 6. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, here, here's his explanation. 
Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. The picture here is clearly that of two kinds of birth. One is physical. One is spiritual. Born of water is a reference to physical birth. The, the breaking of water has always been associated with physical birth. Jesus further explained it by saying that which is born of the flesh or that which is physical. Physical. Then he mentions being born of the Spirit. This is what we call the new birth or being born again. Something that happens on the inside whereby the Holy Spirit imparts to us new life. Literally, He gives us the life of God, which is eternal. John wrote in, a, in another place, He which hath the Son of God hath life. So there is clearly a link here between being born physically and being born again spiritually. For example, just as our physical birth is a definite experience, so is our spiritual birth. If someone comes up to you at the restaurant today and says, Hey, excuse me, have you ever been born? You're not going to look at them and say, I think so. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think I, I, think I was at, at, at one point. No, I sure hope so. No, you're going to look at them and say, of course I was born. And by the same token, someone asks you, if you've been born again, if, if, if you have been saved, if you will, your response, listen, if you're really saved, your response is not going to be, well, I don't know. think so. And I tell you, I sure hope so. You know, I think I was at, 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 at one point. And your answer is not going to be this, well, I've just always been a Christian. Listen, no one has always been a Christian any more than you've always been alive. If you've been born again, listen to me this morning, you will know it. As a matter of fact, you will be more familiar with your second birth than you are with your first birth. Think with me, anything you know about your physical birth, time, the place, the circumstances surrounding it, has all been told you by someone else. If you've been born again, don't have to rely on somebody else's word. No, no, you've got your own story of when it was and the circumstances surrounding it. And my mom told me my whole life that I was delivered by Dr. Norvin Harris at Epworth Hospital in Liberal, Kansas on July the 23rd, 1960. I don't remember it. I can't tell you anything about it. I've just always taken for granted that my mom was telling me the truth. But when I was born again, oh, listen, listen, that's a totally different story. 
I was there when it happened. On that Wednesday night, as a bus kid at Fellowship Baptist Church, when I went to my youth pastor, I said, Brother Steve, I need to be saved. I'll tell you all about that night. I'll tell you where it was. It was upstairs in an old musty office. After the Wednesday night service, about 9 o'clock, I had wrestled with that for weeks. And finally it came to the, the, the place where I said, I can't wrestle with this anymore. I have to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I know all about that. I don't know squat about my first birth. I'm sorry this morning, but there's something not right about someone who claims to be born again. They can't tell you where it was. They can't tell you anything about that moment when they realized they were a sinner who couldn't save themselves and that only Jesus was the Savior and they cried out to Him and, and, and He saved them. You're hard-pressed to convince me that you've really met Jesus. Now listen, I'm not saying, please do not get me wrong, I'm not saying that you have to know the exact day or month or year. But you listen to me today. You're going to know something about that experience. It was at vacation Bible school. Or it was at youth camp. Or it was on a Wednesday night after church. Or it was during a revival. Or it was when I was in Bible college. Or it was when the preacher came to our house on a Thursday night and sat down and opened the Scriptures and told us how to be saved. I can't remember the, the day. I can't remember the hour. I can't remember the, the, the day of the week it was. But I'm telling you, preacher, here's what I remember. That, that moment I cried out to Jesus, a burden was lifted and my life changed. If you've truly been saved, you're going to have a story. You may have less details than others, but I'm telling you this morning, you're going to know that it happened. Let me just say this again. This is not, listen, this is not a testimony of salvation. As I said a moment ago, well, I've just always been a Christian. You know, for as long as I can remember, we've gone to church. I've read the Bible. I've always believed in God. I was even baptized in a river. Listen to me, listen to me. If this story was taking place in 2022, that could have been Nicodemus' story. He was religious. He was lost. So what does that tell us this morning? It tells us that going to church, and reading your Bible, and believing in God, and even being baptized does not equate salvation. Because those are all about things you've done. Salvation is about what Jesus has done. Here's something else, just as our physical birth was a once-for-all experience, so was our spiritual birth. Every one of us here has had one physical birth. And that's all we will ever have. And that's all we will ever need to have. By the same token, when someone is born again, when they are born from above, listen, it is a once-for-all birth. Jesus did not look at Nicodemus and say, you, you must be born again and again and again and again. 
I've asked numbers of people through the years, as I'm sure your pastor has as well, if they've ever prayed and, and asked God to save them. Preacher, more, more times than I can even begin to count. I get an answer like this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Many times. As a matter of fact, I do that every night before I go to bed. Please listen to me. If you haven't gotten anything else today, please listen. If you are caught in the trap of praying for forgiveness and salvation on a daily basis, you probably have never been born again. Will not enter kingdom of heaven. Preacher, why do you say that? Because someone who prays for salvation every day is someone who has not placed their whole faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. They're still depending on their own good works to save them, to get them to heaven. In, in, in talking with with folks who, are, who, who have been caught in this trap. Here, here's, here's their explanation. They sin somehow. Maybe they get angry or they lie or they, they cuss or they cheat on the time clock or whatever. And they become, their guilt makes them afraid that God is mad at them. And that he's not going to let them into heaven because now they're a bad person and so they got to be saved again. Are you listening? I said a moment ago, friend, you don't have to be born again and again and again. All you've got to do is come to a place in your life where you're willing to say, I reject all of that religious nonsense and I'm placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And Him alone. I don't want to ever go to bed at night ever again and wonder if I'm going to heaven or hell. I'm sick and tired of the inner turmoil of yes I am and no I'm not. On a good day I am, on a bad day I'm not. Listen, I want you to know this morning that if you're saved, you're saved on your best day and you're saved on your worst day. That doesn't mean on a daily basis, we don't have to pray and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I got angry with my wife today. I got bitter today. I, 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 got, I, got, I was out of control today. Listen, I've got to pray. I've got to ask God to forgive me every day. That doesn't mean I've lost my salvation. And then consider this. Just as someone had to suffer to bring you life physically, someone had to suffer to bring you life spiritually. We all understand the, the pain associated with physical birth. <laughs> I say we all like us men have a clue. <laughs> but come on, we've had a cold one time. <laughs> Isn't that the same? All kidding aside, pain Jesus had to endure for us was a pain like no other. Death by crucifixion is the cruelest punishment known to man at that time. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 says that Jesus tasted death for every man. And oh, what a bitter, bitter taste it was. The crown of thorns on his head was for us. The nails in his hands and in his feet were for us. The stripes on his back 
were for us. The plucking out of his beard and the spitting in his face were for us. Jesus tasted all of that for us. Why? So we could be born again. Here's the third takeaway real quick. Anyone who's been confronted with the necessity of the new birth, challenged by the mystery of the new birth, can be changed by the ability of the new birth. Being born again implies change. If you were somehow able to be born again physically, just think with me here. If you were able to be born again spiritually, think about the changes. Think about the changes as you would now be an infant again. You'd look different. You'd talk different. You'd sound different. It's the same way when we talk about being born again spiritually. It brings about some changes. Amen. Jesus talked about the wind in verse 8. Nobody has ever seen the wind, but we've seen the effects of the wind. We came up here, I brought my wife up here yesterday morning for the, uh, the, the, the ladies meeting and, and bless her heart, one of these dear ladies, she was out there trying to cover those tables with tablecloths. She'd get one on and whew, there it goes. She Well, I'll, I'll just try a different table. So she laid one on, whew, there it goes. Neither of us were able to see the wind. We were able to see the effects of the wind. Looked out my hotel room this morning. I heard the wind blowing. I looked out. I couldn't see it. But I could see the effects of it as the big tree right there in front of our window was swaying back and forth. Are you tracking with me? Listen, listen, listen. The Bible knows nothing, nothing of a salvation that does not result in change. It's just not in there. Every indication of a genuine birth from above is characterized by change. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, Paul said, if they're saved, if they've been born again, they are a new creature. All things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Let's hasten to close. Not read the remainder of, of Jesus' discussion with Nicodemus, by all indication, remain closed to the opportunity of the new birth. By all accounts, Nicodemus walked away from this encounter with Jesus, still rich, still respected, still religious, and still lost. Perhaps it was his pride as a Pharisee and a prominent spiritual leader that, that would not let him admit that he was a helpless sinner in need of a Savior. To humble himself, and I've sat down with many, many a person in the 40 plus years of ministry who, who aren't necessarily Baptist folks, but they're religious folks. And I've, I've discussed salvation, I've shared the gospel, I've talked to them about the truth of the gospel. But they would say to me, Pastor, if I believe that, then that would mean that everything I've ever been taught wasn't right. And I have no answer for that other than that's correct. 
I'm sharing with you the truth of the gospel. I've walked out of many homes disappointed because a sense of pride not let them turn loose what they had been taught previously about salvation. Pride is probably the biggest roadblock to eternal life. Whether a person is too proud that, to admit they can't save themselves, or you just don't understand. From the time I was old enough to do it, I've always pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. You don't understand, I'm a self-made man. And I applaud that. Brother, listen to me this morning. You can't pull your boots up high enough to get to heaven. And you can't make yourself good enough or successful enough to get into heaven. The only way to get into heaven is to say, God, I'm nothing without you. We go on and on about this thing with, with pride. Let me just share this story with you. The year was 1983. My wife and I had been on the ministry staff at Fellowship Baptist for, for two years at that point. It was a Sunday morning, and it was invitation time, and I had dealt with a few folks, and I was then sitting on the front row. I looked over to my right, and there was my wife, and she was at the altar with our pastor's wife. She was, man, she was just broken up. And I'm sitting there thinking, dude, what did you miss? It's got her so burdened that she is so broken up. A few minutes later, she came and sat beside me. She said, honey, I just got saved. Didn't you say you were in the ministry? Yeah. Graduated from Christian school. Graduated from Bible college. Went in the bus ministry. Taught Sunday school. Sang in a choir. Had led people to the Lord herself. But she had never truly been born again. You would have never known that looking at her life. She got an incredible testimony. I'm sure she had been more than happy to share it with you. It goes all the way back to her home life. And both of us were, were raised in homes where our parents were, were alcoholics. She just never thought she could be good enough. And so she kept trying and kept trying and kept trying because she wanted God to love her and to accept her. And she just felt like if she just kept doing good, that he would. And finally she came to the realization, Katie, you know that's not going to work. You know you'll never earn your way to heaven. That morning, she humbled herself. So we're not talking about a, a lay person. We're talking about a, a ministry person's wife. You can imagine the, in, the internal struggle. What are people going to think? What are people going to say? What are they going to say about my husband's ministry? What am I going to do to my family? And that day, she said, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to hell for anyone. That day she humbled herself and called on the name of the Lord. Can I just ask you a question this morning? Have you born again? Is that your testimony? Is that your story? If you have, you know it. There was a definite time it happened. Could have been on a Sunday morning. Could have been on a revival night. Could have been at a youth camp. Could have been at a youth conference. No, yes, I've been born again. It's unforgettable. Listen, when I say have you been born again, I'm not asking you this morning if you've been baptized. Okay, let's get that straight. 
I'm not asking you today if, if, if you joined a church or if you're a good person. Even though those things are commendable, they really are. They're good things. The reason, as I said a moment ago, those things don't save you is because they're all about you. Look what I've done. I got baptized. I joined the church. I'm a good person. And nothing in that says anything about Jesus and what He's done. Preacher, I'd get saved, but I, I just, man, I just never could live up to it. Welcome to the crowd. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Amen. Baby steps. Get saved. You become a new creature. You got a new nature. You got God on your side. And with the power of God, you can change. I'm telling you. There are no doubt in the crowd this side. Story after story. People steeped in sin who came to know Christ as their Savior. They're not perfect. And they're taking little steps. Seems like every day to be what God wants them to be. Friend, listen. You can't live up to that book. God can help you. And by the way, my parents were serious alcoholics. Eventually came to know the Lord. I'm telling you today, you can be saved. If you believe the Word of God this morning, say amen. amen. Let's stand to our feet quietly, very reverently, heads bowed, eyes closed. There are a couple of ways, a couple of ways you could respond to the message today. The first one is very simple, being born again, by being saved, by accepting Christ as your Savior. Friend, if there's never been a time in your life where you came to the realization that you were a sinner and that you couldn't save yourself, 